station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie samurai, Melissa Kersher. Hello. <laughs> and movie, I don't know, Yakuza? Uh, well, Yakuza's pretty whoa. badass. Yakuza's whoa. pretty whoa. badass, actually. I don't know um, how I feel about that. Movie Rice Farmer. Uh, <laughs> what? Jenna Young. Um, hi. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that either. Well... I, I had to come up with something. Anyway, uh, we are here this week to talk about the movie Rosh Haman. So, Jenna, I would like it if you would tell us what you know about Rosh Haman. I believe it's Japanese. Hmm. I might have given that away. Oh. It's possible. It's possible. Although I believe I knew that before you called her like a ninja or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I did not call her a ninja. Anyway. Ninja. Right. I know, I know, I know. I just, I like the term ninja. It's Ninja's a good but... term, mm-hmm. but not applicable here. No. Um. Let's see. Uh, I know that I know an awful lot about it, or I've been told an awful lot about it, and I can't for the life of me, like, recall anything. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about what uh, you should know going in and what you shouldn't. Um, well, maybe we won't talk about what you shouldn't. But anyway, <laughs> the movie is by Akira Kurosawa. Yep. We have seen okay. Akira yeah. Kurosawa before. Uh, we've watched some of Samurai. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, uh, this film, like most of his great films, features Toshiro Mufune. Mufune! Mufune! And uh, also uh, Takashi Shimura. Takashi Shimura, who, his two favorite actors. Yes. Uh, Shimura was in like 16 of his films. Mifune was in 15. So. Yeah. They yeah. just show up all over yeah. the place. And this film, well, we've ta- been talking about the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say this film is about an unreliable narrator. Because this film is, it's literally about unreliable narrators. Mm-hmm. That's oh. that's what the film is about. Yeah, that is the whole concept. The like if whole you, idea. If you look in the huh. Oxford English Dictionary, Rashomon is a word in the Oxford English Dictionary that de- describes differing viewpoints on yeah. things. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure when we come back, we will talk about all the films that are basically retellings of Rashomon mm-hmm. uh, in, in various forms. There are literally dozens of them. Yeah. Uh, Rashomon is at, from a storytelling standpoint uh, amazingly original film mm-hmm. when it was released. It, it like totally blows people away because nobody's done this before. Well yeah and it, um, was, it was the first time a Japanese film hit the international world the international world of cinema by storm. This is the movie that put Japan on the map as okay. a filmmaking country. Nice. It, it was uh, made in 1950. Uh, so, it, yeah, it precedes it, it Seven is, Samurai by a couple of years. Yeah, it is er, considered early Kurosawa. Okay. And um, he was still kind of finding his Kurosawa ground at that point, you know, kind of coming out of his... <laughs> his Kurosawa groove. Yeah, kind, kind yeah. of coming out of the post-war uh, filmmaking he was doing and really coming into his own. Okay. And this is the movie that's often credited with making the um, American... Uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Scientists. Science, science. <laughs> Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences uh, to create an Oscar for Best Foreign Film. Because this nice. was the first winner of the Best Foreign Film Oscar. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so, again, I, it's not a spoiler mm-hmm. to say this movie is about 
unreliable narration because it just, again, the story, you're going to watch it and you're going to go, okay, I've seen this story before. And you have because it has been copied so many times. From children's films to foreign films to American uh, popcorn film fare. Mm-hmm. The, this this same film structure has been copied over and over again, and yet it starts right. with Rashomon, with what okay. we're going to watch tonight. So, mm-hmm. watch, what we're going to watch tonight. That's so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you haven't watched the film before, I imagine you will go watch it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have watched the film before, you will listen to some lovely music, and then uh, we will return. They can go watch it again anyway. You could. You should. Oh, yeah. Because it's yeah. worth watching many mm-hmm. times. So uh, enjoy Rashomon or uh, just enjoy this lovely music. And we will be back in a little bit. And we are back. We have seen the same story told many, many times over, and we still don't know what happened. So uh, we'll see if we can all piece it together here in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Jenna, what did you think? Uh, Wow. Um, Everybody's awful. (laughs) Everybody's awful. No, 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 no. That's not how the song goes. Um, Yeah, wow. There's a lot of horrible, horrible people in that story. Like, like, and, and the the story, as was presented to us the entire movie, not the story that got told and retold and retold and retold, although they also happen to be a part of the larger story that has the horrible people. Look, people are bad, is what <laughs> I've learned from this. <laughs> all y'all are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, was that the lesson um, we were supposed to learn? I don't know. Oh, probably no. something about perspective or, you know, the way, you know, uh, different people view different things to the, even themselves, let alone how they're going to portray it to other people, blah, 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 whatever. People are bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're all assholes, but we can decide to be less of an asshole. Something you know, like with, that. With yeah. a little bit of extra effort, you know, yeah. we can be a less little, of an asshole. A little bit of work, we don't I, have to be quite so much of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although, man, stealing from a baby, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> I can't even, like... I mean, yay, good on you for being smart and figuring out the other dude was a bad guy, too. But but you stole from a baby. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. If the, I, you know, the, the, there is the, the point that the other guy did steal, but he stole a thing that somebody had left behind. He just didn't bother to say that he took it. Mm-hmm. He um, just didn't turn well, it and he also didn't down. testify. Yes, you know, he yeah, t- that's, testified that's... with a completely false story. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it wasn't false. He just didn't tell the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> Selective truth. Yeah. Yeah. Lies of omission. Yeah. Well, there's which which is pretty well, important. Okay. In a court everybody, like, everybody. The, the lying. truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. The whole truth is in there. I know like that's American, truth? but yeah. not not you know like yeah. Samurai Way to push lock. your culture onto somebody else's. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and the question is, do the I think the idea is that every single one of these characters believes they're telling the truth, mm-hmm. with the exception of the the woodcutter who 
clearly knows that he's omitted some information, but yeah. he believes that he's telling the truth. These the 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 samurai and the, his wife and and the bandit all believe they're telling you exactly what happened because they have completely they're telling the story from from the perspective of themselves as the hero. Yeah. At least that's my impression. My impression sure. is they aren't intentionally lying. Yeah, and and like the broad strokes of the story are all the same. You know, the same guy winds up dead ultimately, but I mean the thing that gets mostly altered in all of these stories is motivations of the other characters. Yeah. So whether it's the, each story is aggrandizing themselves and ascribing motivations to other people and that warps the story around, you know, what they see as their own narrative. Sure. It, it, it's, it's not, I mean, it, it boils down to what is the nature of truth? Is it just the series of events or is it also trying to encompass the perspectives of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And how do you make sense of that? We yeah. we assume that the woodcutter story is true, but then we discover that he's been lying too about certain aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So how much of his perspective has colored his idea of the event to the point that even though that fourth telling of the story is supposed to be the accurate telling of the story, it still isn't. Mm-hmm. By, by the end of the movie, we have four wildly different accounts of what happened. And very deliberately, the film is set up to not tell us what any of them, which one of yep. them, which parts of all of them are correct. Except we know that there's a guy who's dead. Mm-hmm. We're pretty sure the bandit killed him. Yeah. Yeah. But I find it interesting that the the three people, well, the two people and the the story from the medium all basically have completely different murderers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody blames themselves for the murder. Yep. Or for the death, I should say. For the death. No, the one Harakiri. That, and that's, that's the part that I'm having problems with. You know, everybody believes they're telling the truth. Somebody stabbed the guy. Yeah. Like, we all know that somebody did it and i i have a hard time thinking that the the medium's telling of the dead man's story that he killed himself is as true as the bandit killing him or you know no for as well, badass as the medium is you know i don't put a whole lot of stock in the media personally <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how if much? we're meant to take that as the dead man's story. We are meant yeah. to assume that the yeah. medium is channeling the dead man, no matter what our skeptical belief might might be about how a medium could actually do that. <laughs> we are meant to believe in the context of this story that the medium story is. The, and I, yeah, I mean, I see your point. The the question is, you, you they can be lying about certain aspects you know Mm -hmm. the samurai doesn't want you to think that the bandit killed him he wants you to think that he's a badass who couldn't have been killed by the samurai and yet other parts of the story he probably very firmly does believe are are true from his point of view Mm -hmm. um you know the the bandit obviously i think believes himself to be way more badass than he really is oh yeah you know, if I have to say, well, what was the fight like? Oh, I'll bet it's like what the woodcutter described. Yeah, that oh, yeah. that that mad, probably that embarrassing scramble, you know, <laughs> with all, the sweat and the leaves and the dust, you know, and it, the it cowardly death. Yeah, and the, yeah, that that is, you know, 
I'd, I'd put money that it happened closer to that way than mm-hmm. any other. Sure. Um, but it is... What's interesting is you watch this movie and you go, well, I'm not entirely sure what happened. And apparently the actors in the film thought the same thing. Yeah, they didn't know. The uh, the assistant directors in the film didn't quite know. Like, the assistant directors got together one day and approached Kurosawa and they said, what does this mean? <laughs> because, because, I mean, keep in mind, up till now, um, in filmmaking, if you showed a flashback of something, it was assumed to be truth. I mean, and you you still see that today. For the most part, when you see a flashback in a story, you can pretty much assume it, the movie is telling you, quote, the truth. Right. And Unless it does something like The Usual Suspects does, right. where it twists it at the end and goes, well, well we don't know what, a, what part of this story is true. Yeah, but I mean, that... that <clears throat> Rashomon was ground zero for that the unreliable flashback and so this was really very new in how film could tell stories so so yeah it was very confusing for the people working on the movie they didn't know what was going on and you know no, quite really. We don't know what's going on now. They all <laughs> they all kind of assumed that one of the stories was true. Mhm. And, they, and they, it was essentially saying, all right, which of these stories is the story that's accurate? Yeah. And Kurosawa's response was, basically, I'm not going to tell you. And, and there, there is no that solution. That isn't there, the point. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the point. There is no solution. And that, that's another unusual thing for film from 1950 is, you know, it, it offers a story without, without a solution. Without a moral. Without, without a... a a definite, yeah. Without without some sort of definite thread to follow it through. Well, yeah, and I think that the the coda at the end of the film. Well, yeah, is, I there's mean, something of a moral there, and it's it's saying you know we're all good, we're all part good, and we're all part bad, and we all try and do the best we can. Yeah, we're all liars. <laughs> yeah, and you can you can despair in that, or you can kind of accept it and make the best of what you got mm-hmm. um, and recognize that probably on balance, most of us are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the woodcutter character. Although, you know, I, I am kind of amused by him saying, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to tell the difference if there's one more kid and I just sit <laughs> yeah. there and go, yeah, but I bet his wife will. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You but you know what? He sold that pearl handle dagger. So, you know, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, maybe. he's got some money aside. Don't you think he should have asked his wife ahead of honey, going to bring home another kid. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I guess that wasn't the idea. So, hey, Melissa, yeah. what uh, what trivia do you have to share with us about this uh, wonderful film? Well, another thing that really makes this uh, this film work is the cinematography. Oh, the, yeah. the cinematography is really mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Oh, uh, when he it, talked about the breeze and with the, the shadows, the breeze and the shadows and the you know all the leaves and there's this kind of glow to the forest that they're in and pointing the camera straight at the sun. A lot of people credit this as the first movie where somebody pointed a camera straight at the sun because yeah. usually that back then it wasn't a desirable thing to get that that huge lens flare, you know, all those camera effects that come from, you know, Neat. the straight glare of the sun. So that that tracking shot of seeing the sun through the the leaves was really kind of a brave new thing. Um, the guy who was the cinematographer in this movie was uh, Kazuo Miyagawa who was, 
he worked on like a hundred movies uh, before he passed away in, uh, I want to say in the 1980s. That That's just out of the top of my head. But he, he was very formative for the look of Japanese cinema through through the 40s and 50s and 60s and he worked with he worked with Ozu who is another one of the great filmmaker Japanese filmmakers of this time he worked with Kurosawa a few times he uh, worked with Kenji Miyaguchi who was a filmmaker who started in the silent era in Japan and went for decades and decades and decades and we should really watch one of his movies uh, yeah where we yeah there are a lot of yeah, Japanese films. There are films a lot of Japanese we films to. we need to do. But uh, he's also the. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Kazuo Miyagawa was also the cinematographer for stuff like Lone Wolf and Cub and the Zatoichi movies and Yojimbo. So, a whole lot of these really formative samurai films that, uh, you know, people still really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's all him. Yeah, and I mean, what we said about Rashomon is it it, it creates uh, amazing kind of interest in foreign film. I think a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, it is credited with creating the foreign foreign language Oscar. Yeah, uh, it's and it didn't win, did it? I was it did win. I was I was looking looking it up, and I thought it said it hadn't won, but uh, but yeah, I'm so pretty it, sure it won. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can confirm that. I mean, mm. meanwhile, I could talk about the cast of this movie also. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really remarkable in that, you know, you've got this cast of seven actors, and I think five of them were in Seven Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, wait the, a minute, that person looks oddly familiar. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> other, the other two were from a movie called Ugetsu, which is a... Uh, uh, um, God, I can never remember his name. Uh, Kenzi Mizuguchi movie. So it... It, so between Seven Samurai and Ugetsu, you you mash them together and you get this cast, and it's a fantastic cast. Um, I mean, we talked about Mufune and Shimura when we uh, talked about Seven Samurai, but um, there are there are all these fantastic Japanese character actors yeah. with very long story careers. So uh, it was nominated for Best Art Direction and Set Decoration, Black and White. Uh-huh. At the 1953 Academy Awards, at the 1952 Academy Awards, it was awarded an honorary ah, Oscar. Okay. Voted by the Board of Governors as the most outstanding foreign language film released in the United States during 1951. And then from then on, they had so the, then, the foreign. Yeah, language so it film didn't Oscar. win the foreign language Oscar because it didn't exist yet. Yeah. Um, but they essentially created a category just so they could give it an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, Nice. Go Kurosawa. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there there are a lot of movies and you know TV shows, and, and you you see the effects of Rashomon. You know, even today, it pops up here and there. Certainly. Well, I mean, anytime I mean, you see, like, multiple narrators providing yeah. providing the same story from different perspectives, even if those perspectives are all considered to be true, mm-hmm. uh, there is a, there's a there's a hint of Rashomon there. The one that amuses me to no end is a movie called Hoodwinked, yeah. which is a kid's film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, it's an animated film. Not a great film, but I loved it just <laughs> for the fact that it was Rashomon. 
It's, <laughs> it's the Little Red Riding Hood story, except it's Rashomon. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's adorable. Mm-hmm. So there's the story from the perspective of the grandma, and the story from the perspective of the wolf, and the story from the perspective of Little Red Riding Hood, and you have to... And, and the woodcutter? Because there's uh, a woodcutter. Oh, yeah, there yeah, totally there's the, is. There's the woodcutter. Now, the difference is in that film, and I think it makes sense, you know, you're making a film mostly for kids everybody's telling the truth you're just getting different perspectives on the truth Mm -hmm. so you know the basic um the basic story elements you know there's like a basic chunk of the story that's the same Mm -hmm. but every you see everybody's point of view so they don't see what happened immediately preceding it or immediately following it that changes your perspective Mm -hmm. on what that character was doing in the moment that's in question as opposed to this where everybody is telling you the same chunk of giving you the information about the same chunk of time and virtually none of the details match right except all three of them were there mm-hmm. and one of them ended up dead precisely um but uh yeah i mean usual suspects i think goes something yeah. to rashomon um, there were also some straight up remakes uh, across various uh cultures i mean there there's a rashomon remake in india there were a couple of remakes in the u.s uh the one that amuses me the most is one called the outrage which is a western remake of course there was a western it, remake it, it stars paul newman and william shatner and edward g robinson what? i know right <laughs> Oh my god, this pleases me already. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In a western. Oh, In a yeah. western, yeah. They, they yes. just... So. Yeah, pre, pre-Kirk William Shatner, if oh. I remember right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right, I need to see that. Hard to believe there even is such a thing as pre-Kirk William Shatner, and yet, there is. <laughs> he did exist before Star Trek. It's amazing. There is. When, when you look at the movie connections on the IMDb, there aren't a, aren't many that there that are like straight remakes because it's not like it's a straight remake. But this no. this idea of a story being told from multiple angles really mm. it it comes from yeah Rashomon. Um, it's not the same thing as Citizen Kane, you know, because all the characters are telling you are giving you flashback information. But as as uh, Melissa said, everything in Kane happened. Yeah, we never question that the stories they are telling are not factual. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are, in fact, invited to believe the opposite, that every story they are telling is absolutely true. These characters are not lying to this reporter. They just don't know the one piece of information that he wants to get mm-hmm. in Citizen Kane, as opposed to in Rashomon, where everybody is lying, but not lying. Right. <laughs> in Rashomon, they're, they're, not, they're not really, like I say, I don't think any of them deliberately twists the truth. Mm-hmm. I think all of them are genuinely convinced that the truth is what they are, what they are recounting. Mm-hmm. Um, is the truth as they see it? You know, the only the only place where it's like it could be considered a lie is when the samurai is saying that he killed himself. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the wife. Well, no, she says she, she passed out, and when she woke up, her dagger was in his chest. Mm-hmm. And we know that he wasn't killed by a dagger, and <clears throat> she knows that, too. Mm-hmm. But again, she's pretty shocked by the murder mm-hmm. to the point that she may have essentially blocked out what happened. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because she's frail, because she's well, a woman. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, you know, one thing you learn from uh, watching Kurosawa films is that women be crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sadly, it is a theme that goes through Kurosawa. Does, yeah, I, Kurosawa does not have really any female characters that are particularly particularly uh i don't want to say sympathetic but uh, they don't come out well really yeah. i mean there are there there are are some that do well but um that are actually like real female characters rather than this this weird sort of kabuki theater crazy lady right. sort of thing that happens but I, I, but mo- most of the the Kurosawa films that people have been exposed to, yeah, women. The the women are. I do want crazy that kimono. Town. I'm just saying. That was that was a pretty great. The one she was wearing, happened. or the one that was wrapped around the baby. The one she. No, was, one she was. Oh, wearing. Okay. Well, you know, the, the, the 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 Gazi thing with the 18 million layers. The, yeah, I love yeah. I love the giant hat with mosquito netting. You know, on yeah. a day like that, I could see the appeal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. she was dressed well. Yeah. For the for the elements, yeah. as opposed to the, well, actually, as opposed to anybody else. No, the bandit was dressed pretty well for the. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he, yeah. he wasn't wearing very much at all. That was actually a good call. Yeah, but he didn't bring any like mosquito juice, so you know. Yeah. Did, was there a lot of mosquito juice in feudal Japan? <laughs> I, I, I'm sure there was some sort of herbal thing that they could, <laughs> you know, spread upon themselves. Some, something citronella based, I'm sure. <laughs> and certainly. Certainly, the the portrayal of women is, uh, or the portrayal of the woman in this film is fairly reasonable given feudal Japan. Yeah, it's um, it, yeah, that's true. So, you know, you can, and certainly should be critical mm-hmm. uh, of of his portrayal of women in general. But in this film, it it makes a certain amount of logical sense. She has little little to no power uh, mm-hmm. in feudal Japan. Rape is considered to be. A disgraceful act more mm-hmm. for the person who's raped than for the person who's doing the raping, which is yeah. messed up. Uh, a little bit. Uh, Just a bit. Well, let's say was messed up. Except, uh, let, let, let's say that that's no longer the case, even though it is. Anyway, <laughs> um, in certain cases. But it. That, that's a long tangent that we should That's a long tangent we don't need into. to go into. But. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 it's interesting seeing. Um, as somebody who has seen pretty much every Kurosawa film, um, it's interesting as he, as Kurosawa ages, he brings more and more to the female characters in his movies. If we, I mean, if we do a third uh, Kurosawa film for this podcast, I'd propose Ron, which is a remake of King Lear. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular female character in that that's very interesting to watch. Yeah, well, there, I think Ron is exceptional, and one of the reasons to watch Ron is because uh, almost all Kurosawa films are in black and white, mm-hmm. and there are like three or four that he made. Nah, five-ish. And but, when when Kurosawa goes color, when it's, Kurosawa, it's like, holy wow, shit. Wow, it is... Glorious. You're just like I want oh. him to go back and refilm everything shot for shot that he made before. Yeah. With color, not because it's bad in black and white, but once you know what he can do with color, you're just like, why didn't you do this sooner? <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um. Oh. So yeah, uh, Kurosawa. Any, I, I think we're kind of getting to the point of final thoughts. Yes. So hey, Melissa, do you have any final thoughts? So um, apparently, when they were filming in this forest. 
Slugs would drop from the trees onto the cast. <laughs> I, read that. I, I read that too. <laughs> and then the cast would would like slather themselves in salt to try to keep the slugs off. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I know, right? Uh, so it was, so it, like it, was, it was it was it was this close to being a horror film. <laughs> it was, oh god. <laughs> paratrooper slugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jenna. What's your final thought? Um, that medium voice, the 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 woman with the the voice over it was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. For isn't the isn't that a trail. glorious scene? I was just like, oh my goodness, the ah. juxtaposition here is amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and it didn't take a lot to make it like otherworldly. Yeah. It, it just just that kind of well, it's it's the huh. voice, the the wind in her oh, yeah. in her scarves and clothes, and that the particular makeup. that particular actress yeah. too, just yeah. the look of her face and yeah 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 she's she's going for the gold but on yeah, that performance. My my point yeah. is more they're they're not doing like eighteen million you know special effects or, or crazy features or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's 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 very it's, simple. It's very simple and very effective. Mm-hmm. Very good point. So my final thought is to say that uh, our next podcast is going to be recorded live at the Trilon on May 31st. Woo-hoo! Sunday, May 31st. Uh, just a, a scant few hours before the podcast is going to be going live. But you could see it, well, live on the web. But you can see it live <laughs> at the movie theater, May 31st at 7 p.m. We are going to be watching The Lady from, from Shanghai. Shanghai. Screenplay by Orson Welles. So this is a, a return to Orson Welles. He didn't direct it, I believe. He just he just wrote it. But I, I and now I have to look it up. It's a, I was lo- I'm looking at the poster, so I I, I didn't see that he directed. Well, it, this we'll, was we'll, this was Rita Hayworth and Orson Welles, directed by Orson Welles. Oh, there we go. Written by uncredited Orson Welles, Orson Welles is uncredited director. Yeah. But this is oh, this is our first Rita Hayworth. Yeah, oh, that's Rita. exciting. That's very exciting. It's and quite a film. It's quite a film. Please, please join us at the trial on to see yes. it. It's it's wonderful. So yes, come out uh, and watch this film with us at the trial on on the thirty first. Otherwise, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, if indeed you have listened this far, and if you haven't, well then uh, you won't know that we thanked you. So. <laughs> So goodbye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on a real education. Dee dee.